Amen, amen. We're going to go into the Word of God this evening. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Would you turn there with me, please? It's Wednesday, everybody. It's Wednesday night. Uh, We're going to continue. We had a bit of a break. We had revival last week. So we're back onto our series of positive identification. Um, And we were talking about the I am statements of Jesus Christ. We began the series uh, in John 8 where Jesus was speaking uh, uh, to the children of Israel and saying, listen, I am, before Abraham was, I am. And he uh, likened himself or he showed them that he's saying he is eternal. And they was all bent out of shape because uh, uh, he was, they were saying that he blasphemed because he's making himself equal with God. Well, rightly so, because this is God in the flesh, uh, fully God and fully man. Uh, so he made that statement, I am. And we've been looking at the seven statements that followed that uh, where Jesus said, I am, and we started to get characteristics. We started off with the bread of life, talking about the sustenance, talked about the light of the world. Uh, We said that I am the door, I am the good shepherd, and we want to continue that on tonight, but um, I'm skipping around the order of it comes in the uh, chronology of John, and we're going over to I am the true vine, skipping over the other ones to finish on those. But at the beginning of John, you know, uh, John the Baptist's ministry, Jesus came to the scene. And as he came to John, uh, he said the wonderful words, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He told his disciples, saying, Look, there is, look there, he is the Lamb of God. And as he said that, what he was doing, he was making a positive identification. And that's what this is all about, you see, because Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of the universe. I find it interesting that anytime you write down the date, you know, my kids are at school, the first thing they have to do when they get into lesson is write down the date. You know, every time you do that, you are recognizing Jesus. Because we understand that uh, uh, we, uh, our, our calendar is based around when Jesus Christ came. If we say BC, it means before Christ or AD. It stands for in the year of our Lord. Every time you write down the date, we're talking about Jesus. So when you make a positive identification, uh, you are glorifying Jesus and you understand a new revelation. Uh, that's why when religions try to take away the identity of Jesus, they're trying to literally uh, uh, pull down our entire faith. That is the central priest. So we're going to look at positive identifi- identification today. Um, I am the true vine. You know, as I was thinking about this sermon, I'm reminded of the miracle of childbirth. Now, as you look at this, you're thinking, what's that got to do with childbirth? But stay with me, bear with me. Um, uh, Childbirth or or, or having children is an absolute miracle. I mean, all the moms and dads in this house, you would agree with me. Uh, Sometimes uh, I think, how can uh, uh, people look, doctors, nurses, uh, uh, and look at this, physicians look at this, and then still come to the conclusion there is no God. I mean, this is a complete miracle. I personally have witnessed four children being born. They're all mine, amen. (laughs) 
I've witnessed that. I was the first person that all of my kids saw. I was the first person they locked eyes with. I made a point. We made a point to uh, uh, not find out the gender of the baby until I caught, looked, and checked. It was, it was amazing. It was an absolute, each time, absolute miracle. I've experienced enough of those miracles. I don't need to experience another one. But I'm just saying... It's fantastic. It's really, really, it, it blows my mind. There's so much about childbirth that is miraculous. I mean, just to conceive is a complete miracle. Everything has to be right. Everything has to line up. The temperature, the, this, this, the, that, the time of season, everything has to line up. Just to conceive is a complete miracle that I believe sometimes we take for granted. Uh, but, uh, you know, so many things fascinate me. But the reason I'm mentioning it now is because one of the things that fascinated me while I was uh, 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 in the first, uh, God bless you, thank you, amen. <clears throat> In the first pregnancy, so our first child, Naomi, I don't know if I'd seen too many movies or whatever, you know, you, you cut the umbilical cord. I couldn't wait to do that. I couldn't, I don't know why, it was one of the things I couldn't wait to do. So the time came, we found out, that's a girl, everyone's like, hey, hey, praise God. And then the nurse gave me that moment, she handed me the scissors to cut the umbilical cord. I was like, I've been waiting. How old was I when Naomi was born? I was, I don't know. I've been waiting 30 odd years, 20, 20 something odd years to do this moment. So I'm here, take my scissors and I do this, nothing happens. Because I don't know if whoever's done that before, those things are really tough. <laughs> like, it was like I had to, can you pass me an axe or something, please, to get through this thing? It was really, really tough. And that stuck, stuck out to me, yeah, that this thing is actually really tough. And as I did that, as I started to obviously hack at the thing, I finally got through the thing. And praise God, it was, it was great. But then it caused me to do some research about umbilical cords. And I was like, this thing, this, this cord looks like a rope, is crucial to the survival of that child. If anything happens to that, that cord, disaster. And as the child, as I start to do some more research, there's some problems and they, they, they really take care around the cord or the umbilical cord because it provides everything to the child. Absolutely everything, oxygenated blood goes to the child through the umbilical cord and then deoxygenated blood comes back away. Waste from the child comes away from the child. Uh, uh, nutrients from the mum is eaten. When they say the mum is eating for two, that is true. Nutrients comes through and it goes through the placenta, goes through uh, the umbilical cord so that the child can get nutrients. Everything is dependent upon that cord. If something happens to that cord, it is disastrous. And there's different problems that I found that can happen. There's cord compression, meaning if you, if you squeeze that, if they squeeze it against a hard part of the womb or something like that, something can happen. It could suffocate. There's a, something called a, a cord a prolapse where the cord would come out first before the baby comes. And that's a problem because, again, it could cause, uh, some compression can come and it could suffocate the baby. There could be knots in the cord, which will cause things to happen. There could be something they call a, a nuchal cord where it wraps around the neck all these things can happen it's all to do with the court and you can understand what I'm getting here is that that one dimension that one connection is crucial to survival well Jesus Christ in the text we're about to read says I am the true vine and very much like an umbilical cord if you are not connected to the vine it's disastrous 
I'm going to read this in John chapter 15. Start from verse number one. Here, look at the Bible. It says, Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gathered them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you, des- you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I am the true vine. I want to consider firstly with you about the vine and the branch. See, we need to understand as we always look at these characteristics that Jesus puts forth, the significance of what he's talking about. So we're going to start First of all, with the significance of the vine. You see, in ancient Israel, they grew many types of plants via the vine that produced fruits such as cucumbers or melons. But in this case, many times when, you, when they said vine, it was almost always linked to the grapevine in the vineyard. And it's a very fruitful plant. We all enjoy grapes. I love grapes. Me and my kids, we love grapes. It's a very fruitful plant, but it has to be cultivated. It has to be protected. And this one called a a climber because it kind of moves along walls and it climbs up uh, different barriers and the branches uh, spread far and wide. And the characteristics of the vine is that it is much like the umbilical cord. It provides everything that the branches need. The vine provides the nutrients. It provides the, the sap that it needs. It provides the stability for it to come. Like the umbilical cord, this vine can produce absolutely everything the branches need. The branch bear fruit because of the vine. Just like the umbilical cord, the baby begins, the fetus begins to develop and grow because it's connected to the cord. Same, the grapes and the fruit that come out are connected to the vine. So Jesus, when he's saying, I am the true vine, he's saying two things. First of all, he's saying, I am the vine. I am the one that gives you everything you need. I am the one that helps you to develop. But without me, you are not going to be able to develop. Without me, you're not going to get the necessary things for you to do what you are called to do. It's so fascinating. I look at my my, my, my firstborn now. She's going to be 12 years old next month. And I'm thinking if it wasn't for that cord, she wouldn't be standing or sitting there right now under the sound of my voice. That one little cord, if something happened there, it would have been disastrous for her destiny. So Jesus is saying, I'm the vine. If you're not connected to this vine, you're not going to be able to do anything. The second thing he says is, I am the true vine. And that obviously brings us to the conclusion that there are false vines. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse number 15. The Bible says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. Look at this. Jesus says, You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? 
Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can bad trees bear good fruit. Every tree that uh, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, uh, you would know them. So Jesus is saying, I am the vine. I am the one that gives you everything. But he's also saying, it's only me. I'm the true vine. All other vines are false. And you're going to know that by the results of the fruits that people produce. So Jesus is saying uh, you can look at one's life and see the fruits that are coming out of their life and you can make an identity and say, I can see what vine you're connected to. It ain't Jesus, I'll tell you that for free. (laughs) You may say, you may confess Jesus, you may say you're a Christian, but your fruits are saying otherwise. Things that are coming out of your life are saying to the contrary. The things that come out of your mouth, amen, are saying something different. Come on, the, 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 the things that are, uh, that are a result of what you do, listen, it definitely demonstrates what vine you are connected to. I want to look also at the branches. So we see the vine, we understand the significance of the vine, but then let's look at the branches. Of the many examples of the relationship of God and his people, the vine and the branch is very different. I mean, in the Bible, we're shown shown that our relationship with God is pictured in many different ways. But the vine and the branch, it shows complete dependence. And it shows that there needs to be a consistent connection. The vine and the branch, or the branch, sorry, depends on the vine completely. It can do absolutely nothing. And that imagery, that picture is different to, say, for example, the sheep and the shepherd. You know, a sheep can wander off a little bit, but then have to come back, and it's okay. It'll still be fine. It's different from a father and a child. Listen, a child at one point is completely dependent, but as time goes on, the independence starts to creep in. And again, a wonderful dynamic I see with my kids where there was just a completely dependent, helpless child to the point where they have this thing in my house where they, they find pride in saying, listen, I can do that. I want to do something for this. They say, no worry, daddy. I can do that myself. I want to do my top button. I'll do your top. No, 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 don't worry. I can do it myself. When they, when they first tie their shoelaces, hey, I can do my shoelaces myself because they uh, they like the independence. And as they grow older and older, and older, then they start thinking they're big. They think they can do everything themselves. Like They don't need nobody. don't need me. But, they, but they're, they're growing into independence. And that's different. Is it because never can a branch say, listen, I got this now. I can do this myself. That's why this picture of Jesus saying, I am the vine, it gives you an understanding, saying, listen, there's never going to be a time in your life when you're going to make it and saying, all right, Jesus, thank you for all you've done. I can take it from here now. No, 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 no. Can you imagine snapping off a branch from the vine? Listen, you can take that. And it's funny, you can pick a rose. And when your hand, as you hand it in your hand, it looks like everything's fine. But wait a couple of moments or wait a couple of hours. Wait a couple of days and you'll see the leaves start to wilt. You'll see them start to go all brown and nasty. It's lost its vibrance. It's lost everything because you can't survive a moment without being connected to the vine. That's why I I like this picture because it gives an understanding. We're never going to get to that point where we say, Jesus, I've got this. He says, I am divine. You can't do anything without me. And people need to understand that. 
And the potential that we have for bearing fruit is only in the vine. Look at chapter, uh, verse number four, sorry, of our text. The Bible says, The branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Fruit production comes not from the branches, but from the vine. And the reason why that's important is because people spend a lot of time trying to produce fruit on their own. And Jesus saying, I am the vine, is telling you tonight, stop trying to produce fruit on your own. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Listen, sometimes I speak to people and they're struggling with things, struggling with anger, struggling with unforgiveness, struggling with addiction, struggling with all sorts of things. And the usual response that I get in the small time of ministry I've had is, oh, I'm trying. Pastor, I'm trying. My response to you tonight is stop trying because you can't do it on your own. There's no point. You're not going to be able to produce the fruit that's needed because the fruit production doesn't come from the branches, i.e. me and you. The fruit production, the power, the life only comes from the vine. And once we get to understand that, we can let go of life and let the vine work through us. That's what the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is all about. The fruit is of the Spirit, not of the flesh. When you want to love, you need to love by the Spirit. Can you say amen in this place? When you want to forgive, forgive by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen in this place? Jesus said, you need to love your enemies. How can you do that on your own? You can't. You need the Spirit of God inside you. Come on now. Once we get the understanding, we will stop trying. The best thing Christians can do that are struggling is to stop trying. I'm sure there's a song that says, Jesus, take the wheel. Because, <laughs> listen, we don't know how to drive. <laughs> We've tried it ourselves. We end up in places. We don't know, why am I here? How did I end up here? Because you're trying to produce fruit on your own. You're trying too much. That's the difference with Christianity and other religions. Other religions, like, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to do that. And if you don't, hey, if you don't do that, you're going to be damned to hell. You've got to do this. Christianity says, don't bother. You can't. It's not in your power. You don't have the capability. That's why Jesus Christ laid aside majesty, stepped down into frail humanity because he realized these guys ain't going to do it themselves. I've got to come and produce that for them so that when we are connected to the vine, we can be fruitful. What was the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel? Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, come on, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And this is something that we get all throughout Scripture. We see in Genesis chapter 22, Isaac told, sorry, Abraham told his son Isaac when he took him up to be sacrificed. Isaac was like, listen, I see the fire. I see the wood, but where's the sacrifice? He told his son saying, don't worry, the Lord will provide. That's a lesson to understand there. We see Moses told the children of Israel when they were up against the Red Sea, the Egyptians were coming. 
going? They say, what's going to happen? Moses said, don't worry. The Lord will fight for you. You shall hold your peace. The psalmist David in Psalms chapter 23 said, your rod and your staff, they're going to comfort me. Even I'm in this dark place, I'm going to be comforted. In Philippians 4, we understand the great powerful apostle Paul said the words, I can do all things. How? Through Christ who strengthens me. In verse number five of our text, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. That is a simple lesson, but a profound lesson we need to understand. Because how many times we wake up and in in, in, in we face a situation and, and we start the battle plan, we start the natural battle plan. Um, I remember somebody was going through, uh, I think it was Pastor Greg that told this story. Um, he said somebody was going through something. Um, uh, no, sorry, it wasn't Pastor Greg. It was Pastor Jim Simbala of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, New York City. Um, he had a financial need and he needed a, uh, um, he needed a, a $10 million. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when the church grows, the needs grow with it as well. You say, man, you know, we, you know we're at the stage of 10,000 bars. He was at the stage of 10 million. He, it, was a, it was a need. Uh, but listen, thank God we serve a God that nothing is too big for him. Can you say, man, this place? Uh, but he had a need of $10 million, and uh, you know, the, the people were asking, like, where are you going to get this from? Uh, um, and he says, well, we're going to call a prayer meeting, and we're going to pray. And he said, okay, that's sweet, but where are you going to get the money from? <laughs> right? Because sometimes people, we have that kind of attitude, as if prayer is not uh, an answer to situations. Uh, you say, listen, I'll pray for you. Okay, we're going to have some practical advice. I'm like, practical? That's the most practical thing I can do is get on my knees because I don't have the power to help you right now. I don't have the know-how to do. Listen, when somebody says, I'll pray for you, sometimes you think, oh, that's a cop-out. No. <laughs> listen, that's the most powerful thing. I would rather the prayers than your practical help. I don't want no natural help. I don't want you to give me some advice. I want you to just pray for me. That's what I want you to do because I understand where the power comes from and it's not the branches. What Jim Simbalo was saying is I'm going to connect to the vine. I'm going to go and get the power, get the sap from the vine. Jesus is letting us know in this statement that he is the true vine. I want to look then with you about the vine dresser. You see, because in our text in verse number one, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So we here, we get another aspect of the Godhead. We know the triune God. He's saying, I'm the vine, but my father is the vine dresser, the one, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, the one who is sovereign in complete control of everything. He is the vine dresser. And we understand the role of the vine dresser is to make sure that that vine and the branches, they have everything they need. Make sure the soil is correct. Maybe he'll put some structures up to make sure that it stands up tall. He would go and fertilize the ground. He would go and do many things to make sure that the tree bears fruit because he, God the Father, expects us to bear fruit. It's an expectation of his that we bear fruit. John 15 and verse number 16, look at this. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. 
That's an expectation of God. He has not saved you that you should be fruitless. He saved you that you should be fruitful. That is an expectation. And there's two things he does in our scripture. The vine dresser, he takes away and he prunes. Look at verse number two. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. He takes away the unfruitful because really there's no excuse for unfruitfulness. Because we've already said, we've already established fruitfulness comes from where? The vine. There's no excuse. If you are connected to the vine, there's no excuse for unfruitfulness. There's nothing you can say because the vine, there's nothing wrong with the vine. There's nothing wrong with Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with his power. He is mighty to save. So if something or someone is connected to the vine and they are unfruitful, the problem is the branch. Look at this. Romans 1 verse number 20. It says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You know, excuses don't really wash in my house. (laughs) I don't really like an excuse. And I feel that that is also the case. When we we step into eternity, we're standing before God. Can you think of any excuse that would work? Oh, okay. All right, fine. Come into heaven then. Sorry, I didn't realize you were sick that day. That's why I didn't give you. Okay, okay, come in. No, there's no excuse. Because God has provided, as the vine dresser, he's provided everything we need to be fruitful. Everything we need to bear fruit has been provided for us. Jesus has done it all. He's paid the price. So to them be unfruitful after that, there's no excuse. So that's why the vine dresser, he sees a branch that's not bearing fruit. What does he do? Takes it away. This is unacceptable. I have called you to bear fruit. The first thing he does is takes away. The second thing he does is prune. And he prunes the fruitful. Why? So that more fruit can be produced. This is an ongoing thing. You know, you can't live on something fantastic that happened 10 years ago. You know what? Listen, 10 years ago, I came, I read my Bible for a whole week. Amen. That's it. No, it should be, it should be a consistent. There should be a move. There should be a progression. Listen, Paul talks about, listen, I feed you with milk right now, but there's going to come a time where there has to be some solid food. We can't still be tripping up at the same things. We can't still be coming to church and playing the church game. How long are we going to come into the building and do churchianity. How long are we going to do that? When are we going to be fruitful? When are you going to serve somebody else instead of receiving? When are you going to be the one that disciples instead of always taking? Listen, there has to be progression. So the vine dresser prunes so that more fruit can be born. We have to say that because in pruning, what they're doing is they're cutting off all the dead ends, making sure the nutrients can come through again so that people can go forth and sometimes when you look at that you're thinking wait so he takes away from the one that doesn't but then continues to give the one that has well that's biblical look at Matthew chapter 25 verse number 29 he says for to everyone who has more will be given and he will be he will have an abundance but from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away Why? Because there is no excuse. Going back to that, there's no excuse. God has provided everything. So we see the picture of cultivation by the vine dresser. 
through the ages, everyone has the opportunity to bear fruit. Every man or woman has the opportunity to be what God has designed them to be. God has given us absolutely everything. And I want to quickly sidestep to a fascinating part of agriculture that I looked up called grafting. Because grafting is a, phen- a, a, a fascinating phenomenon whereby you can take a branch that has been cut off and join it to the root, uh, do some things, and it will continue to grow. In other words, a branch that has taken from something wasn't part of the original tree. Taken, and now you can be grafted in, and it will be like you was always there. When I thought about that, I was like, thank you, Jesus, uh, that you can take a broken branch like me. Can you say amen in this place? Uh, and I can be connected to the vine, and then I can continue to grow. Uh, it is fascinating. Literally, you can take another branch, cut it in a bit, uh, connect the two together, and they'll start to fuse together, and it'll be like there was just as one. And then you look at Romans 11, uh, verse number 17 here. It says this, and if some of the branches were broken off, uh, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them become partaker of the root. You can become a partaker of all that Jesus has. And look at this, do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support support the root, but the root supports you. In other words, anything that you have, you can't boast to say, yeah, I've got this because of my spots. No, it's because you was grafted in and now you're plugged into something more powerful. That means no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, you can be grafted in. You can be connected to the vine. And when you're connected, you can start to bear fruit just like the others. Because we know the gospel was meant for the, uh, the, the Jews first. And as they started to reject the Gentiles, the other branches were then grafted in. We have an opportunity to bear fruit regardless of where we come from. God is able to graft you and me in and we can be connected to the true vine. I find that such a blessing because Jesus says, I have the power to give you fruitfulness, even though you're not like me, you're not part of me. You may have a different color hair, different color eyes, different color skin, but you can be grafted in and joined together in one unit, in one family. Can you say amen to that? Verse number seven here, I want to kind of conclude the message with this. Jesus said, If you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, abide is one of those theological words, abide. We've heard it it in the word of God. The definition literally means to stay or to continue in place, to have one's abode. It's where you live, it's where you dwell. It means to wait. It means to remain. It means to endure. So Jesus is saying when you do all of those things, you will have power to ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. As you abide in Jesus Christ, you can have confidence that what you pray, it will be done for you. What a powerful lesson that is. Jesus is saying, stick around, continue, find your dwelling place in here and you will be able to ask and whatever you ask, it will be done for you. You need to understand because some, many people are asking things, but they're not willing to abide. Jesus says that power comes for people who are willing to abide, who are willing to 
stay when it's raining, stay when it's sunshine, stay in good temperatures, stay in minus degrees like it is outside. We're abiding. When family members are calling us Bible bashes or whatever they want to call us, we're abiding. We're staying in the power of Jesus Christ. We then have the power to be able to ask. And Jesus Christ said he will do that, that God will be glorified and that we will bear much fruit and that we will be his disciples. All to abide in the house of the Lord. To abide in Jesus Christ means you have the power to be fruitful, the power to overcome, the power to go and be the man or woman that God has called you to be. I thank God that Jesus gives me and gives you the opportunity to be overcomers in this world. All we have to do is abide. Everybody say abide in this place. Abide. All you have to do is abide. Stay here. Stay with the one that has the power. Stay with the one that has the know-how. Stay connected to the vine. Jesus, in one of his greatest I am statements, says, I am the true vine. There's nothing you can do apart from me. So I believe this evening, Jesus is saying a few things to us. He's given us an identification of who he is. He is divine. And he's saying, because I'm divine, I want you to stop trying to bear fruit on your own. It's not going to work. And he wants us to remember that if we abide in him and his word abides in us, we then have the power to ask. If you are abiding, you can ask. You can ask. And think about that when you go home to whatever situation you go home to. Wait a minute. I can ask. I'm connected to the vine. I abide. I don't have to bear with this. I can ask. I don't have to suffer with this. I can ask. I don't have to be trampled down by this. I don't have to lose sleep anymore. I can ask because I am abiding in the vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine. We get absolutely everything we need from the vine. Let's not look to the world. Let's not look to other people. Let's recognize that all that we need come from the vine. Does that make sense this evening? Who agrees with the word this evening? Come on, let's give him praise right now. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place tonight.